0: Welcome to the Clearwater History Speaks podcast. I am your host Allison Dolan, the president of the Clearwater Historical Society. With this podcast, we will be hearing about different stories from around the Clearwater area. With today's podcast, we are going to feature Jean Holmquist. She has lived on the beach with her family. And stay tuned till the end of our podcast to hear about the Museum Moments, which is a, an update about what's going on at the Clearwater Historical Society Museum. So, Jean, other than being the secretary for the board of directors for the Clearwater Historical Society, um, you also grew up here on the beach. Yes. Now, growing up in Clearwater in, on the beach during the 70s, because yes. we're about the same age, so it's you know, about that time, um, had to be a lot different than growing up now.
1: I'm sure it was freedom would be the key word to growing up back then that there was no locking the doors. There was no security cameras. There was nothing that stopped you from doing anything pretty much as long as you could get away with it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, how did your family come to move here? My
1: dad came from Ohio and my mother from Kentucky. They both moved here in 1962. Um, My grandparents, both sets, ended up living on Clearwater Beach. Uh, Ultimately, they both ended up living right across the street from them, each other. One lived at 928 Narcissus and the other at 928 Bay Esplanade, and the two houses faced each other, and Bay Esplanade is kind of a, a, there's a fork in the road, and then like Their really house like, is, like, faces both Bay Esplanade and Narcissus. Okay. And then the other grandmother was across the street. So grandmother, year out, was her last name. Uh, she was from Kentucky. They had lived in Kentucky since the Civil War. Oh, wow. In Louisville. And then my dad's family was from Ohio, Lorraine, Ohio, which is the same place that uh, the Heilmans are from. Oh, wow. And they actually live just a couple blocks away from my grandmother. I don't know if they knew each other or not, but they are all from Lorain, Ohio. (laughs) Can't be that big.
0: (laughs) No, it's a small town outside of
1: Cleveland, right on Lake Erie. Okay. Um, But my dad was in the Army when uh, my grandmother moved here with her second husband. And so when he came back from the Army, he moved down here and he met my mom who lived across the street from his mother. And in 1966, they got married and they bought a house in Clearwater and we lived over off Lake and Lakeview on Belmarl. Okay. Um, But my grandmother's always lived on the beach. And so as kids, we always came to the beach. We go to each grandmother's house and then in the afternoon, you'd always go swimming. That was our walk to the beach and go swimming. And there was no drag a cart and everything else. You carried whatever you're taking. Usually that would be a mask or nothing because you didn't want to carry anything or an inner tube. And that was it. And we'd go to the beach and we'd swim and play until the sunset. And then we'd walk home.
0: And there was no thought of sharks that are going to be out there or anything? No. no.
1: We had one time, uh, we were out on an afternoon, all floating in our little inner tubes. It must have been probably spring because we usually got them at Easter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were floating in our inner tubes, five of us, and all of a sudden a whole school of stingrays went underneath us and swam past underneath. And one lady is like freaking out. And my mother's like, Would you stop? They're fine. And, like, a whole, it had to be 20 went underneath us. And my mother was, like, just so calm and cool. Like, they're fine. They're not touching them. They're not stepping on them. They're fine. The only way you get hurt is if you step on them. Right. But this other lady was freaking out that her kid was out there in the water at the same time that all these stingrays were going underneath us. (laughs) No, you're good. (laughs) That's the kind of stuff that would have happened when, back then, everything, I don't know, there was just so much more nature- there was no development. Right. There was much less development.
0: Now, you were talking earlier about how even the, the streets, like the north and south streets, were paved.
1: Right. But the streets that went east and west in the in the um, residential area on Clearwater Beach were dirt roads until, I would say, in the 1980s. They would uh, come through maybe once a year and fill in the potholes. But otherwise, they were just... Dirt roads that hardly anybody ever used them. We walked down them to go to the school bus stop on Bandelay, but that was about it. And it was just dirt roads. And that's what was there.
0: So then eventually your family all moved.
1: Yeah. In 77, my parents bought a house on the beach. We lived right at the fork in the road between Narcissus. So we lived like four blocks away from both our grandparents. Okay. And in 77, my parents bought that house. And we lived there until we only sold the house a few years ago, five okay. years ago. Wow. So for more than 50 years, or almost 50 years, we had that house on the beach. And everybody knew that was our house. You know, the horse everybody knew that family. There was me, my brother, and then three sisters that were younger than him. And uh, wow. all the kids on the beach, everybody knew everybody. Everybody played with everybody. It was just, I don't know. It, it was what we thought was normal nowadays. I look at it and like we had it so good back then. Yeah, and it wasn't like, that long ago.
0: <laughs> it's not like you had a whole lot of street lights, like you know.
1: No, I mean we did play until it got dark out, and um, I know I told you earlier the um, as after we moved here, my dad's sister, her and her family moved here that was older than him. And they had four kids. And then his other sister got divorced from who lived in Iowa. And they moved down here. And they had four kids. And so she lived in Carlowell. The other aunt lived between us and my grandmother. And then my dad's younger brother, who had two kids, they lived over on Mandalay. So all together, there was like 16 cousins that all lived within less than a mile of each other.
0: So they all just ran around like crazy people.
1: Yeah. And you could not do anything without being caught. somebody's sister brother aunt uncle there is somebody my grandfather used to get mad at me because I hung out with one girl and he didn't like her and my mom would say would you walk down a different street with her so that your grandfather doesn't see you
0: (laughs) (laughs) just pretend you know (laughs) that's all you have to do so she doesn't have to hear about it right so When y'all were growing, like, basically, was it like my house where your parents threw you out in the morning and you came back for lunch and then came back for dinner?
1: Yeah, pretty much. On Saturdays, my dad worked in the morning. So if we were, like, watching cartoons on Saturday morning like everybody else did back then, Mm -hmm. um, when Fat Albert came up. (laughs) You knew that was a sign. Dad is going to be home any minute. And if you heard the car pulling in the driveway, it was like, get out the back door. Because (laughs) as soon as he walks in, he's going to give you the, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars every year to come here. Why are you in this house?
0: (laughs) Go out and get in the outside.
1: Yes. So
0: now other things that y'all did, because like, I know on Clearwater Beach, there's also the Clearwater Sailing Club. Right. So
1: we sailed prams. I started when I was eight Wow! at the Youth Maritime Center is what it was called back then. It's okay. now the Clearwater Beach Rec Center and Library. Okay. <laughs> and the building's been rebuilt since back then. It was just like a warehouse-looking building back in the, I think it was built in the 50s, I would say. But in the back, they had a boat shed, and in the boat shed was all these prams and a motorboat, and they would set up... Uh, like cones around the bay, and okay. then they would we would do like practice, and then we would do a race at the end, and we do this every Sunday afternoon. Oh wow! And then they have regattas, and we'd go down to Sand Key, and Sand Key back then was uh, Australian pine trees and sand, and you'd park under the pine trees and walk out and put your boat in, and they'd have these big huge regattas out there off Sand Key in the bay. Wow. So
0: like was it like a whole family thing. Like y'all would pack a picnic My, or something.
1: Well, dad always worked on the boats, so dad would either fix whatever's broken. If fiberglass got broken or a wooden boat got broken, dad would fix it, and um, mom was usually taking care of the rest of us. But if he didn't have anything to do, he'd be out fishing while he was watching us sail. So it was always you know like everybody would go and they'd either be fishing or. I'd be sailing for a while. My brother sailed too. It wasn't something that all of my brothers and sisters did. Me and my brother were pretty much the The only ones that got into the sailing thing. But at home we had a boat that we got in an interesting way, kind of. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. of. Um, It was after a storm and a boat had washed up and it kind of got buried in the sand. And the guy that owned the house that was right on the beach Uh where this boat got stuck, He told my dad about it and he's like, if you want to come dig this boat out, he's like, you guys can take it. So it was like maybe a 12 foot sailboat. It had, it didn't have like, it had a hatch on the top and a hole that you could put like life jackets and stuff in. Right, but not a, not like a big boat. So it was only like maybe 12 feet. Two of us could pick it up and put it in the water by ourselves. Um, We called it the blue boat, but we literally (laughs) dug out this boat out of the sand. And my dad, made sure it was seaworthy and we got sails for it and it was the blue boat and we had it until probably 10 or 15 years ago my dad finally sold it
0: (laughs) he's like let's get rid of the blue boat (laughs) (laughs)
1: but we sailed that boat everywhere like it it didn't matter um we'd go out in the bay in it we'd sail around um there were so many stories, but one: my dad and I were sailing, and we sailed to Dunedin. A big storm came up, and my mother got worried, so she called the Coast Guard because she thought we were out stuck in the in middle the Miller. Miller bay. Mm-hmm. And we always, my brother reminded me of this yesterday. We used to have a Ziploc bag of quarters that we kept in the hole in case we got into trouble so we could use a payphone someplace (laughs) and call. And to think of it, I think of that now, but dad never used those quarters that day to call mom to say we were fine. The one (laughs) day he should have. The one day he should (laughs) have. But there used to be like a little restaurant bar place in Dunedin at the marina and dad just had us sail up to the marina, and we stayed at this little restaurant bar place He um, until the storm blew past, and then we sailed home. And the whole time, my mother's, like, freaking out that, you know, oh, my
0: God, they're lost at sea. I lost my husband and my kids. <laughs> and my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, family's destroyed.
1: Well, Did the it, Coast Guard find y'all? No, no. We just ended up coming back home, and my mother ended up calling the Coast Guard back and telling them that we were fine. But it's just, I don't know. We just always, we would get into trouble, but we always seem to get out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> just somehow weaseled your way right, 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 right on right there. On, but, and uh, another pram story I have is uh, sailing prams. They decided at some point, all the kids who've never flipped over a boat should learn how to get back write. Up right their sailboat okay and I was probably 10 or 11 so I was a pro by then (laughs) this
0: is not your first rodeo yes it was
1: definitely not and nobody is going to flip over my boat to make me prove that I can uh write it. it yeah yeah so I was like no I don't need to participate in this game so I didn't and I don't know if it was a few days months weeks I don't know how much later but after that something happened and there was a huge storm in the bay behind the rec center and we are out there sailing, and they called the race, and they were, like, everybody in. And as we're sailing in, it, the wind was – the sky was black. I can still picture it. Okay. It was absolutely black. <laughs> and the waves are white caps, and it, it's bad. And you're in the bay. Where it's it's, it's, it's yeah. a closed-in bay. And we just were uh, – <laughs> I'm just, like – racing in because I'm like thinking this is great wind because yeah. that's all I was thinking about as a kid. I can go fast. I can go really fast. Well the wind got me and flipped me over and I was climbed up on top of the boat and you pulled down on the center board and in theory when you pull down on that centerboard, it's, it's gonna write go. that boat back yeah. up for you. Well didn't, didn't that really worked. work out. Though.
0: <laughs> Didn't work out how it's supposed to be, but then again, you didn't practice.
1: I didn't practice it, but I did know in theory how it worked. But um, so because I was older than a lot of the other kids, they made me wait until I was the last person they rescued because I was (laughs) older and I did. I knew how to swim and I was fine. I just held onto the boat and got rained on, and uh, (laughs)
0: which cracks me up because like you're in the water, you're in the water, you're still going. Right hey, As hey. long as
1: it's not lightning, you're good you're good, and it wasn't lightning, it was just raining really hard, and it ends up being one of my funniest stories I tell about being a kid is that getting flipped out of the boat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so where, so like people that are listening and they haven't really been down there because I have, even if I sit and a lot of times just in traffic. But um, when you look at this, the way y'all the beach went, so you have the north side, And the south side. Right. Okay. And then y'all were kind of more on the north side. We were more on the north end. Okay. And then you have like a little bay. And this was, was the bay built when they did Indian um, Island Island Estates?
1: I mean, the water was there, but it created the, Island Estates blocked it in Okay, more. And then, so where the little bridge is, the last little bridge as you go onto the beach, uh, if you look to the north, that would have been where we would have been sailing. Okay. And... Um, as you turned and went right down Mandalay there would be the Yacht Basin apartments would have been right after Baymont 501 Mandalay because that was the address of the Yacht Basin apartments they were kind of pink or purple color but they were these old like just very concrete block plain looking apartment buildings but a lot of older people lived in them back then and then just past that would be Esplanade, the fire station would be on your left and if you turned right Went to the end of the street. There was a boat ramp, but right next to that was where the youth center was. And that's where the beach rec center is now.
0: Yeah, because I'm just trying to get like a a picture in my Uh, mind how everything was. Yeah, it's kind of a
1: curved out circular bay because it kind of opens up right in that area. And then it narrows to the channel to go north, which used to take you out to... You could have gotten to the Gulf that way, but you can't get to the Gulf that way anymore because Hurricane Pass closed during... A hurricane. A hurricane. (laughs) I think it was during... I want to say Elena in 85, maybe. I don't know if I'm right. So that
0: sounds right, but I'm not going to swear to that.
1: I am not going to swear to it. No. But I do remember us, we would walk up to the north end of the beach as kids, and we would call it going exploring. And we would, like, find these tidal pools and things and just see what we could find, like fiddler crabs and conch shells that would be a foot long or uh whelks or tulip shells or whatever we could find we would just go looking and we would just call it going exploring and our parents would just send the five of us off to it's like go exploring yeah and we'd go see what we could find in the sand dunes at the north end of the beach <laughs> but as we got older I remember the channel getting narrower and one time I had to be grown by the time it was after 85 but um, we walked up there and you could see the two channel markers That were just totally enclosed in sand, but the channel markers were still there from where the bay had been, you know, where the channel had been. Where it had been, but then now that's. Now it's all sand. I don't know if they're still there or not. I think not.
0: They, should, they probably should have kept them there. That would have been cool.
1: Yeah, to show the... I know now there's a sign that says, Welcome to Caladesi" when you get to the very north end of Clearwater Beach. Yeah. When it starts to become Caladesi,
0: Because that's where... Because that's, that's where the, yeah. the channel would have been. The channel was right there in between the north end and Caladesi. Right. And then the it all closed in when the hurricane came.
1: Right. And uh-huh. it had been opened and closed before, and it will probably come back again. Yeah. And they used to call that... I think they called that Big Pass, and then yeah, the little pass. little pass was between Sand Key and the south end of the beach. Okay,
0: which is now huge. Right. <laughs> I guess they decided but to But dredging,
1: know. yeah, also, I didn't realize how much of Clearwater Beach had been dredged up at any given time. Like, nowadays, the beach is so much bigger yes. than it was back even when I was a kid 50 years ago. A hundred years ago, it was even narrower. Like Palm Pavilion, the water used to come right up to the building.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: And now it's like... And now you still have to walk a mile to get to yeah. the edge of the water.
0: Now it's like, can you have a drink station halfway <laughs> through? Because I'm going to get really thirsty on the way and down And I'm not going
1: to be able to walk all this way back. <laughs> and then I need to all the way back. I mean, you know, just
0: put a full bar out there. And up on the north end of the beach,
1: they had these jetties that... Um, I don't know when they were put in, but there were these jetties they put into keep the sand where it was yes and i'm sure they're still there but they are covered over by years and years and years of sand where we lived on mango we used to go down to the end of the street and depending on the tide would depend on whether or not we could get to the beach there because it was like a 10 foot drop Mm. from the seawall to the sand and at high tide the water would be right up to the seawall now was that where the seashell hotel was no, Mango is down the, at the residential. Okay. It's kind of halfway before you get to 880 Mandalay, which back then was Mandalay Shores. Okay. So we would go there. If we walked down the end of our street, there was no stairs or ladder or anything to get down. We would have to use the uh, the sewer drain pipe. Oh. We would climb down on that and then jump the rest of the way down. So it was about 10 feet because that would be, it was, the drain pipe would be above our heads wow. when we got to the sand. Wow. And then, uh, but over time, now you walk off the seawall there and you're in the sand. The seawall, the sand comes right up to the seawall. So that's 10 feet of sand, sand that's, that's accumulated over the last 50 years. Wow. Or 40 years. So like when
0: you were growing up there, like you said, so they only had like one bus stop. Everybody had to go there.
1: Yeah. There were bus stops along Mandalay. Like there was ours and then there was one another couple blocks up and there was one at Carlowell at the gate and that picked up all the north end kids and we all went to north ward okay and then uh we all everybody went to north ward then for middle school everybody went to john f kennedy middle school okay. and then clearwater high school so everybody on the beach pretty much went to school together uh, when we were in high school our bus driver mrs griffiths
0: <laughs> okay there has to be a reason mrs. why you remember her
1: <laughs> she lived on island estates okay and she just wanted a job to something to do during the day while her kids were in school. Okay. I don't think she ever signed up for this.
0: (laughs) She probably thought, I'll just substitute teach every now and then or something. Well,
1: no, she was the school bus driver. And she would drive us to and from school. Well, in high school, her daughter was a little bit older than me. But at some point in high school, they had gone on vacation. And there was just this little party (laughs) at their house. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so... On that Monday, she came around and she picked everybody up and then we got to the causeway and she pulled off the road and turned the lights on, which meant everybody be quiet. And she stood up and she's like, all right, I know what happened this weekend. And there's this box of stuff up here. And if you just pick up what's yours when you leave, I'd appreciate
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff y'all left at my house at the party that with a Okay.
1: <laughs> so nobody is ever going to forget Mrs. Griffiths. No.
0: Because she called y'all all out, didn't
1: she? <laughs> but she was the best because I remember one day when I was sick on the way home, she was like, I'm not going to make you walk the four blocks home. And she just drove the bus down and she dropped me off at the door because she knew I was really, really sick that day. Aww. And so she dropped me off right at the door. And just things like that are the little things that people would have done back then for you because everybody knew everybody, you know, if she had a problem with you on that she wouldn't tell the school. She told your she mom. She called your mom. Yeah. <laughs>
0: i'm, calling. And I'm when, calling your mom calling your mom yeah
1: that's what you're gonna do it's just like in at north ward there was a cafeteria lady mrs davis and my sisters tell the best stories about miss davis because if you didn't eat your food like you had to show her your plate before you were done there was no wasting food <laughs> there something. was no wasting food with miss davis and my sister can remember these kids that would mix their food and she'd be like you're gonna sit here and you're gonna eat this and I don't care how long it takes you. Uh-uh. And they'd mix their peas with their jello or whatever, and she would make them eat it.
0: <laughs> oh my God! Miss
1: Davis was like a force to be reckoned with because she would not call your mother; she'd call your grandmother. Oh, and in that neighborhood, so she went for the
0: big gun. That
1: was that was big time. Yeah. I'll call your grandmother, and you know I know her. You know I know your
0: grandmother. (laughs) I'm going to get her. Oh, that's probably, yeah. My grandmother had the switch that you have to go get yourself. Oh,
1: yeah. No. We weren't like that, but it was more of a, my mother spoke very quietly, Mm -hmm. but you knew. She was not kidding.
0: (laughs) Now, going to the beach now is like, if you don't pick the right time, you're going to be on that causeway for 45 minutes to an hour. Right. Back then that was rare. Like spring break, it would have been that way.
1: Yeah. Um, it's funny cause as we started driving, you learned that if you wanted to leave the beach on Saturday morning, you left fairly early and you came home in between the morning and the afternoon traffic, okay. you know? So you kind of learned by living out there the when traffic the traffic pattern and when to drive and when not to drive and when not to come home and when to come home. Uh, we did, uh, I can remember when it was still a drawbridge.
0: I was going to (laughs) ask, did you have the drawbridge?
1: (laughs) Yes. And I drove a stick shift. And um, you didn't want to get stuck on the... That or the hill at Moss Brothers in your stick shift. (laughs) No. I did a couple times get stuck in both, and I would be like, please don't pull up too close behind me. Please, please, please don't pull up too close behind me. I'm going to roll in the back of your car. (laughs) I'm going to roll back a little bit, please. I don't want to hit you. And
0: and that was before you could go to Etsy and put a sign on the back of it, I'm driving a stick shift, leave me alone.
1: Yeah. But more people knew that you could have had a stick shift back then. But like now, no. But now, they don't know you're a 17-year-old and you're not driven for very long. <laughs> you probably needed a sign that yeah. said that. That would have been better than my Garfield on the back window.
0: <laughs> probably. probably would have gone over better, like student driver kind of thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> but we did, like, uh, I can remember one time when the uh, drawbridge was being worked on, that every night at midnight they would close the bridge. And so if you did not get across the bridge before midnight, they would close it. And there were so many times that, and t- to miss that meant driving all the way down to Bel Air, going across the Bel Air Causeway, and going back up Sand Key, and across the Sand Key Bridge to get home. So you're adding almost 45 minutes. So now it's one o'clock in the morning by the time you're getting home. And you're supposed <laughs> to be home at 1130. Right, and so now you're really in trouble.
0: <laughs> and it was but like there was a time. cell phone to call your mom. No,
1: no. So, again, you would just get there and you would be praying, I hope they haven't closed the bridge. I hope they haven't closed the bridge. Oh, the bridge is closed. And then you end up driving all the way around and having it be 1 o'clock in the morning by the time you get home because you missed the bridge closing at midnight.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now, when they when y'all had, like, okay, the hurricanes and you had to evacuate and everything like that. that
1: 1985 was... was the only time we ever evacuated. Really? When I was a kid. mm. Um, for Hurricane Elena, we went to, me and my boyfriend went to Clearwater High. We closed all the shutters down in the house, me and my sisters, and my mother was freaking out, trying to gather up her belongings, <laughs> <laughs> deciding which things you want to save. I don't know what she was doing. But <laughs> Mothers are weird. <laughs> but we ended up, I went with my boyfriend to Clearwater High, spent the night in the auditorium. My dad had somebody he worked with that lived over off McMullen Booth that we ended up, that's where we all end up meeting on Saturday mornings. So anybody who had, I was 17 then, so I had a car. I think my brother had a car. So there were a few people with cars that had to drive them all off the beach. So we all ended up meeting at these people's house that we didn't really know, and we ended up staying at these people's house that we didn't know. I can just picture us all sitting around watching it all on television. And as soon as they were like, Within about an hour, we're gonna open the causeway back up, but this is not until Monday, you know, and it's so, Labor Day weekend. Oh, wow. So it was like Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we're at these people's house. And then Monday afternoon, they start talking about, we're gonna open the causeway back up, but we're only gonna let residents. My car was like one of the first ones, cause I wanted to get home.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, I am out of here. <laughs> I, I'm done
1: with these people. I don't know these people. I wanna go home. So we ended up, I drove home and our house sits kind of on a hill it's probably four or five feet above the street so it's not there was no threat of it flooding or anything like that there was no damage to our house Um, the house across the street they did lose their dock and that was about the worst of elena wow Um, and that was the only time until i want to say the next time we had to evacuate Was 1998, which by then I was almost married and my sister was actually getting married the weekend of that hurricane, which was September 26th, 1998. Oh, wow. And they had to go pick up the priest from... Saint Cecilia's and take them to I think they got, ended up getting married at the Elks Club or something cuz they were supposed to get married at St. Brendan's on Island Estates but right. because the beach was evacuated we couldn't do that so they were having the reception at I think it was the Elks Club in Largo and so they ended up getting married at the Elks Club in Largo <laughs> and it was an all day thing because all it did was pour all day nobody had anything to do all right so, so we were um at the Elks Club at the Elks Club and it was Um, We just had to have the DJ stop playing music so that we could get people to leave because people didn't want to leave because they had nothing else to do. Right. Um, So and after that, I don't think my mom evacuated. Well, one more time was uh, 2004 for Hurricane Charlie. They all ended up in my house. And um, that would be my mother, my grandmother, and my brother, who all still lived at home, and my mom and our four cats, and our four cats all in our little 1,200-square-foot house. (laughs) (laughs) But um, after that, my mother decided, after Charlie, that she was not evacuating anymore. So it didn't matter how bad it was. In 2004, we had two other hurricanes that came close. She wouldn't leave, and she never left again for any evacuation. She's like, I'm done. She's like, nothing ever happens. I'm staying. So luckily she lucked out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she was good that time. So. <laughs> now when you, like growing up, I know it was like, y'all did you know, pretty much had a run of the whole island. There wasn't as many hotels. and big, no. There was no big things out there. No.
1: My mother fought so hard to not have the Surfside built. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's where the Seashell Motel used to be. Yeah. And... Where the parking lot is now used to actually be a mobile home park. Right. And when they got rid of the mobile home park and were taken down the Seashell Motel...
0: That was in 77?
1: Something. It was right about the time we moved. Yeah. Um, My mother fought so hard with the city. She's like, once you let them build the one, they're going to keep building them. And obviously she was right. She was. Uh, mm-hmm. They just... um she saw that that would be the end of what we knew the beach to be. Like back then the shops on the beach were actual, it wasn't the same thing in every shop. You know, you could actually go buy an outfit and Get your groceries. Yeah. There was a convenience store. There was a liquor store. There was a grocery store. Um, there were plenty of restaurants, the Pelican beachcomber. Um, my brother reminded me the other day that we used to go to the game room, which there was a, I worked at Eckerd's, and then on the opposite side of Mandalay would have been the Pelican, and on the corner where I think it's now a realtor office was Crystal Palace, which was like the game room of game rooms that we would go play at. And so we would walk up to Crystal Palace, play until 10 o'clock at night, and then walk home on a Friday night or Saturday night, you know, but we'd be walking together. (laughs) (laughs) There was also a place um, they sold or rented roller skates. The skate shop. Okay. <laughs> and it was further north, closer to our house. But um, at the skate shop, they had video games, too. So there was a lot of times uh, in the afternoon we might walk up to the skate shop, play video games, and then um, walk home whenever we were done, you know, played our dollars' worth of games or whatever. And
0: <laughs> Well, I guess you need to have something on the beach besides I mean, restaurants and the, shopping.
1: Right. I mean, we did – Swim. We swam in the bay yeah. across the street from our house. We didn't always walk to the beach because, you know, that four blocks. Yes. Why would you want to walk all that way when
0: the there's water
1: right across the street? <laughs> so our neighbors lived in Canada, and they were only there a few months a year. And we cut their grass. And so for cutting their grass, we could use their dock whenever we wanted. We kept our blue boat. The blue boat was there. The blue boat was in their backyard all the time. And then also we had a little uh, rowboat that we kept back there. Between the two, we would go out in the water, paddle around, sail around, do whatever. Pull the boat back up, go swimming. Um, I would say probably I don't ever remember not being able to swim. I don't ever remember not everybody not being able to swim. It just seemed like we all did.
0: did. Um, and I'm sure there was so much sunscreen. On. <laughs> sunscreen what's that sunscreen no <laughs> we use baby oil and iodine what are you talking about woman and lemon sun, juice and, in and our lemon hairs. Juice, lemon juice in our hair <laughs> but
1: uh my best living on the beach story is the time that me and my brothers and sisters we were all swimming off the dock across the street and we decided because my uncle had told us a story that they live further north and they had swam to Caladesi as teens, uh-huh. him and his friends. And we stood there on the seawall looking over at Caladesi from where my grandmother's house was. And we were like, we could do that. So I, <laughs> one night or one afternoon or morning, it was a Saturday morning or something. I know it was a morning because it was early. We were all over swimming by ourselves. My mom wasn't there. And we decided that we were going to go and swim to Island Estates.
0: Okay.
1: So I was twelve. Okay. And then the five of the other four were younger than me, which would make my youngest sister Billy about five.
0: Okay. So now you got five to twelve year olds going across. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we had this raft. It was yellow. We have Billy on the yellow raft. The main reason we took Billy was so that she didn't tell, because that's what. That's what she does. That's what baby sisters do. (laughs) She would run home and told mom. So instead of letting her run home and tell mom what we're doing. We're going to kidnap her. We're going to just take her with us.
0: (laughs) Sounds better than kidnapping. It does.
1: Mm -hmm. It sounds much nicer. (laughs) (laughs) So the five of us start off and we all are paddling, swimming, whatever, across. And um, somewhere about halfway, three quarters of the way across, I see a boat coming towards us. And I realize that we are like five bobbing heads about the size of a crab trap um, buoy. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I, I'm not sure this was our brightest move yet.
0: <laughs> mm. So
1: um, we get over. There's a little beach area directly across from our house. And we get over to that, and we're resting. And we're like, Sigh. do we swim back, or do we climb up on the seawall and go find somebody who will let us use their phone and call our mom? Right. Oh, do we really want to hear her yell about it now? So me and my brother decided we're going to just swim back. We have the raft, so. We can all hang on that. We can hang on the raft if we need to rest. Unfortunately, the tide changed, and the current really picked up. So now you're going against the current. Well, no, you never go against the current.
0: I know. (laughs) That's what I was saying. You swim
1: with the current. Right. So we swam with the current, and we ended up about three blocks south of our house, And we were like, as we're trying to figure out whose house is whose, we're trying to pick out whose dock we can climb up on. So we get to the house that I babysit at, the Jackson's, and we decide the Jackson's house is where we're going to be able to get up. So we get to the Jackson's house, we climb up on their dock, get up, walk through their yard, and walk home and tell our mom what we did. (laughs)
0: You're like, we decided we're just going to ask for forgiveness? Right. And
1: and it is one of the stories that any of us that tell a story about growing up on the beach always say, you know, about how we swam to Island Estates as little kids and how
0: crazy that is. It's like, okay. Um, (laughs) um, Now you said that you worked at Eckers. Was that your first job? Yes. And how long were you there?
1: Uh, more than 20 years.
0: So people who don't know this, Eckerd's was here, Jack Eckerd. Yes, him and Ruth. He, yes, he and Ruth and Ruth they have Ruth Eckerd Hall. That was her birthday present from him apparently.
1: Yeah. Um but they used to come in the store all the time. Really? Yeah. And people who didn't know by the time I started I started in 83 working for Eckerd's um people he didn't own the company anymore because he had run for governor, right. and when he ran for governor, he kind of gave up his um, CEO o- ownership or whatever. Yeah, but he was still the founder of Eckerd's, so he still got a discount. And <laughs> I'm glad he got a discount. He got his twenty percent off like the rest <laughs> of us, and he would come in. He was known for coming in at Christmas time. He went to every store locally and would. Tell the employees shake their hand. Tell them Merry Christmas. Um, He was always very friendly. He was a very nice man. Ruth was very nice as well. Um, I remember her always coming in in her tennis skirt and buying greeting cards and things like that. And people would say, "Oh, I thought Ruth Eckerd was dead." And I mean, this is back then, and And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. That's Ruth Eckerd. It's Ruth Eckerd." (laughs) Don't. Trust me. But the same thing happened one time with Jack. I was at another store um, over at Tri City Plaza at Christmas time in like 1984. And he's talking to me and this other cashier. And he knows who I am because he's seen me on the beach before. But he doesn't know this other girl. So he reaches out to shake her hand and introduce himself. And she's like, I didn't even know he was still alive. And I'm like, it's really Jack Eckhart, okay? It's really him. <laughs>
0: He might not want to say that while you're sitting there shaking his hand, that he's he didn't know he was alive. But he they were both
1: very nice people. Um, you know, it was just a, a different time. Like uh, another person who lived on the beach back then that always used to jog past our house was Dean Young. Oh, from uh, from Blondie. Blondie. Yeah. Okay, so we would see Dean running down the street, or a new one,
0: uh, Hoyt Hamilton. Yes, he's now a city councilman and now a millionaire. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he won the Powerball. <laughs> but he used to drive. You would see him going up and down
1: our street, going home with the uh, umbrellas and things from their from the Palm Pavilion. From the Pavilion, and you'd see him go by, and he'd always wave, and when he'd be driving by, because. he'd always see us outside
0: (laughs) those kids do they ever go inside (laughs) never ever inside
1: but yeah i mean just going up and down the street people would wave at each other you knew who everybody was there was not anybody i couldn't even i could go down the street and name who lived in each house because you just knew everybody and everybody knew you so yeah
0: Again, you can't get away with anything. You can't get away with anything. Well, because the beach was kind of like its own little community.
1: Right. And everybody, you're kind of close, and everybody knew everybody. And and they looked after each other and that kind of stuff. And like I said, we never, our door was never locked as kids. You know, anybody could come and go. It was always our back door. It was always open. Everybody came in the back door. Everybody left through the back door. Anybody coming over, they knew to come in the back door. So you knew it was a stranger if they came to your front door. Right, if they rang the door... What was that?
0: Yes. <laughs> that's a, we that's, have one of those?
1: <laughs> there was actually a doorbell on the back, too, but it was different. So, But we did. Everybody used the back door, and it was always open. And I don't ever remember. I think it was after we all moved out that my mother started locking the door, and she would only lock it at night after when she was going to bed. Okay. She never locked it, like, during the day. It was always open.
0: Now – course you didn't have air conditioning, so no. of course you have lo- lo- location you had the bay and you had the ocean so right you had so breeze. breeze
1: yeah windows were always open you know if if it wasn't cold, the windows were open um and so when did y'all get air conditioning um after I had moved out I think of course it was when my grandmother moved in with my mom that we got air conditioning and it was house. like wait a second <laughs> Yeah. They got a pool, too, after when grandmother moved.
0: It's like, who does that? You know? <laughs> what, 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 what were we? <laughs> yeah. You made us stay all salty. Yeah. We'd have to hose off in the backyard. <laughs> we did have
1: a shower in the backyard. We could hose uh, well, shower nice. off. Okay, good. But, uh, but we did, um, yeah, no air conditioning growing up. Um, People would freak out now. If they Actually, know. my dad, who lives over off Stevenson Creek, uh-huh. only got air conditioning last year. Wow. 2020 is when he decided. He, he always had a little room air conditioner in his bedroom. But other than that, he had no air conditioning in his house. So in the summertime, you had to really want to go visit to. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times you're like, hey, Dad, why don't you come over here? <laughs> yeah. Well, can we go outside? <laughs> yeah. Can I take this fan with me? Um, now, when you're talking about Sam Key, was the other thing I was going to come back to? Because you said it was all. Trees. Trees. And sand. And that was it. Now they just have like a little parcel. Yeah, yeah. Well, apparently they also had places for you to put your mullet net.
1: Yeah, I I guess. I don't remember that. Yeah. But mullet fishing, yeah, yeah, Yeah. mullet fishing was huge. My brother was talking yesterday about, uh, um, he worked on the uh, Queen Fleet and then he worked on the Double Eagle, but he had to get a job early because my mother was trying to keep him out of trouble. Oh, okay. So uh, Al worked on the Queen Fleet, he cleaned the boats, at like 14 was when he started and then he ended up working for the double eagle and he became mate on the boat and he has some good stories i think i don't know if it was during hurricane Elena or not but at one time him and chad who's the owner's son um chad and al stayed on the boat overnight during the storm to let the lines out so that it didn't flip it didn't well, it didn't break the lines and float away, but so it kept lifting up and up and up and until the water was like right up to the seawall, the boat was sitting like way above the seawall that it was crazy how high up the boat was because of the storm surge storm surge. But Al was saying the other day how in the right time of year when the mullet were in the bay, that there were so many, you could just take a net and scoop them up out of the bay where the marina was. Wow. And that would have been in, still in the eighties, probably. I mean, he he worked on the boats until I think in the nineties when he started working for the city. Wow. So I mean, I know you can't do that
0: now. No,
1: no. there's too much traffic. And there's the, uh, when we were kids, the mullet boats. You would always hear them first thing in the morning. You'd hear the mullet boats going out. Um, you can always tell a mullet boat because the engine's in the middle it's of the boat. It's in the middle, yeah. Not
0: off the back. Um, Which but, is, well, every, we have one here at the museum. Yes. And everybody's like, well, why did you put that motor in the middle? Because that's where a mullet boat motor goes. That's where a mullet boat goes. Because you have to let the line, the nets off the back. And you have to be able to go in a circle to catch the fish. Yeah. I told him just because we were bored and we're from Florida. <laughs> but, you know, it really is because of that. But growing up on the
1: beach, you'd also know people who mullet fished. Yes. And then my friend's dad, he did stone crabs. And I never, I never ate a stone crab as a kid, yet they would have milk crates full of them in their garage, and he would have them sized out, and people would come pull up to their house and buy stone crabs out of his garage every afternoon, because he'd go out fishing in yeah. the morning, come home with the stone crabs, and then every afternoon, people would come over and buy stone crabs from him. We're well, now they're like, Charlie Bucko, just for those of you who
0: didn't know. <laughs> they had a... Um, Whereas now it's like, what, $36 a pound of Oh, those? yeah.
1: I, can't, I don't even know. I yeah. wonder what it was he sold them for back then because I have no idea. But I can just picture, like, the milk crates lined up in the garage. and With their little arms. Yeah. <laughs> he'd, have, he'd have them labeled off, you know, small, medium, large, jumbo or whatever. And uh, people would come by and say, oh, I want five pounds of this or whatever wow. and buy them right out of the garage. And I
0: couldn't do that today, but
1: that's no. all right. Yeah. <laughs> but that's how you did it back then. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> like if you want fresh seafood, just come to my garage. I know.
1: You just come over to the house and get it. And I mean the same with the uh, clams. Yeah. I um, when we were kids my dad would say, Go over to the bay and get some you know, bring back five clams and we'd get clams as big as our hands. And we would just take a little shovel over. If it was low tide, you see the water squirting up from the clams. Yeah. Dig a little hole, boom, clam. Yeah. And pull them out and take the bucket home of clams. And here's dinner. Here's dinner. Dad would clean them and cook them, whatever he was going to do with them. And we'd have clams for clam chowder or clam whatever he was going to make. He also made coquina soup. Oh, yeah. So we would dig up coquinas and he would do the same thing. Those are kind of fun, though. Yeah. They're prettier. Yeah. So, not like clams. Clams aren't that pretty. But they were big back when we were kids anyway. Now they're like... And I don't even know if you would want to dig them up out of the bay anymore. nowadays if there were any there. Like, you could find oysters right on the barnacle, or on the uh, pilings yes. from the dock and stuff back then. But I don't think you would want to eat, any, eat of any of
0: those. And I don't think you'd eat the clams now. I'm not sure. They're probably kind of gross. Um, okay. Now... You went to Clearwater High School, mm-hmm. and so they've now basically, a year later, but they are now going to start the construction. They're going to. Because um, that's the third Clearwater High School. Right. Because the first one is here on our property at the museum. Right. It was built in 1912. And then 1924? 27.
1: 27, mm-hmm. the one off Greenwood. Yes. And then um, 1954 or 59 54. was the... Uh, out on hercules and now 2021 they're going to redo it it. (laughs) (laughs) needs a a little facelift
0: facelift. (laughs) well that was a little bit of growing up on the beach and everything else. I want to make sure we had all, you know, like you show you had a full life. You didn't just sit there and walk, run around barefoot. And, no, you know.
1: we never wore shoes, those kids. No.
0: no. <laughs> you can always tell a true fruit and they can walk down the street with, the I, with barefoot, no, shoe. yeah. no shoes. And then you can step on one of the, the stand spurs and be like, ah, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like it's done. Well, thank you so much, Miss Jean, Jean. And um, thank you for all you do for the Clearwater H- Historical Society and Museum. You're and welcome. Telling us your story of your life. Thank you. (laughs) Well, for our museum moment today, we're going to discuss our speaker series, which this month we have on May uh, 22nd. The History of the American Victory Ship, which is over there in Tampa Bay. They've taken a ship and made it into a a museum. Our Women's Exhibit, which um, features nine women that helped shape Clearwater and Pinellas County. That is running until August 27th. We have our Sip and Stroll with the District in downtown Clearwater. No, Saturday the 22nd of May. And then Thursday the 27th is our Dine Out for History, which is also the birthday of the city of Clearwater. It turns 106 years old. So everybody come down, you can have dinner, you help out the museum, and then you go and have a birthday cake that we're going to have a celebration with the city. Um, Some other events that are coming up in the future is in the fall we're going to have South Ward Day, which we want to celebrate with everybody who went to school at Southward. Southward, if you don't know, has six buildings and five acres. So there's a and it's been here since the okay. first building opened in 1906. So there's been a lot of people that have gone through here. Um, and then we're going to have our fish fry in the fall, and then we also have after Labor Day is a let's eat to celebrate all the restaurants. And then we also have been working with all the other local museums in the area, and we had the museum mutual meeting where all the small museums were all working together so that. You can stand by for future things that we're going to do together, trying to promote each other. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope to talk to you soon.